Welcome to the Craft Imperial Podcast, a weekly podcast about cigars, whiskey, and all the banter you could possibly want. You'll join your host, the Bourbon Cowboy, the Viking, as each week we get into different cigars, different whiskeys, budget, hard to find, unicorn, you name it. The rabbit holes we're going to go down, insights, opinions, conversation, new releases from Craft Impero, and anything else we can seem to let fall of our mouths that week. You guys enjoy this episode. Mahalo. All right, all right, well, guys, <laughs> sorry, I want to cut it in. Welcome to the Craft Imperial Podcast. You are here with your host, the Viking. And the Bourbon Cowboy. And uh, we are once again... At the Agua Farm. Yeah, I was going to try and say something like floating in the lovely rivers there that of... I was going to try and sound romantic like Cowboy. It wasn't funny, it wasn't working. And my hat is in the way of my microphone here. I know, it's that. just... Yeah, we were supposed to go to your house and you had construction going on. Yeah, the fireplace being put in. Well, it's still being put in. They're currently sealing the holes. Go ahead. Yeah. So, yeah, I think he called me yesterday or maybe this morning. He goes, uh, yeah, they got construction going on at my place. Let's switch it to your place. So I'm like, okay, cool. Here in St. Louis, it's been brutal since May. And, um, I mean, listen, we have a, a pool, very fortunate, and, um, but when it's almost a freaking 90-something with 100% humidity out, it's, it's, it's not bad. I'm not complaining, but today is absolutely beautiful. We've got those big puffy white cumulus, no rain in sight, and low humidity, probably 82, the high today. And we got a little banging chill music on the screen. And um, it looks like we're gonna, he brought some, he usually brings the cigars, but it looks like we're gonna be um, banging on some Island Gym. And then of course I pulled some stuff out of the vault, which uh, some stuff we haven't touched in a while. And yeah, in a while. So I'm looking forward to this. This is, we've had Island Gym on the, um, show before um but i think this is a different blend and of course i'll let mark talk about that a little bit and um so when he gets back we'll let him talk about the blend of island gym and then we haven't had this in a while on the show we've got 1792 foolproof i mean like i've told you guys before the bourbon industry is so ridiculous with allocation. It's just, it, it's not even worth talking about. So as we've said, the best thing to look for now is, uh, is um, you know, barrel picks. Barrel picks are literally everywhere now. And this one came out of Cape. And um, of course it's a foolproof and it's a chick's pick. I don't remember if we've ever had this. I got two different ones down there. Um, but this was through, this is a single barrel through the cast and spirits down in uh, Cape Girada. And you can't go wrong with 1792 foolproof. So that's what we're gonna start off drinking with today. Um, the only thing is, is like, you know, when I first started getting into 1792, you had like a single barrel, you had, um, um, 
high rye, sweet wheat. You had a bottle and bond, and then foolproof came along, and you could, you know, run into one of them once in a while. And now they're just, you don't see them hardly anywhere. And, um, but the single barrel, usually, you know, you can find that. And um, I think, I, I haven't uh, checked online of this, but I'm, I was down in Key West for uh, Janine's, uh, J9, we call her, Janine, J9's uh, 60th birthday. And I saw a 1792 uh, bottle on the bar and it's slim. It's like they've taken the same bottle, heated it up, and stretched it up. It's like uh, a skinnier version of this. I don't know if somebody was bitching about how much space these took up on the bar, which I can see that. Um, but maybe they're slowly uh, trying to, maybe at least on the leader sizes uh, for the bars, come up with a slimmer version for more room. Anyway, that's what we're going to be uh, doing is the foolproof 1792 and then we've got a couple other picks and whatever so I am going to go ahead and get my island gym which I don't know how many of you guys this is not like going to every um, humidor and see these I don't know how you know like However many places sell cigars in Missouri um, has Island Gym or carries. I only see them in humidors once in a while. This particular one, I haven't looked up anything on it, but the one thing it does have that's pretty cool that um, the Cyclops and uh, the Hooligan have on our cigars is the Shagfoot. This is a little different. Um, it's not a wrapped Shagfoot. It's just kind of a loose Shagfoot. So we've got that lit, and um, that shag foot, one of the nice things about it is it just kind of helps you light it. You don't have to work it too hard. Especially on a day where it may be a little windy, that really helps a lot. Um, and for you guys who haven't seen uh, Island Gym, it comes in like a powder blue box with red Hawaiian flowers and red palm trees with a poster of him. He's got a white goatee, long blonde hair with a cowboy hat and shades. Cowboy hat and shades. Kind of an island looking guy. Hey! Anyway, that's what we're smoking. So, Talk I told him what we're smoking, but I didn't get into the blend or what it was made up of and all of that. Yeah, so Island Jim, uh, Leaf by Oscar, Oscar Valderas, Jim Robinson, um, it is, so this is a Connecticut here that you see here, this barber pulled into it that comes out on the yeah. shag in the bottom. And then the rest of it is supposedly Nicaraguan seed, San Andreas. Uh, and then binder and filler are from Honduras. Um, so there's two, two things you can do with the cigar. Like it's already cut. If you want to just torque through the top of the, the pencil there, the eraser, or you can actually cut down right below that to the Connecticut. And it's supposed to alter the, the straight flavor dimension you get right away. So two things you can do with that, which are cool. Well, I did a second cut. My first cut, I just cut a little off and I wasn't getting a good enough draw. Yeah. So now there's a little left, but it's drawing a hell of a lot better now. 
so we've kind of gone over what we're smoking, beautiful day. We're um, doing the foolproof 1792. Where's the pick from? Um, it's Chicks Picks, and it's from the Cask Spirits um, down in Cape Girada. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure I got two of these, and I don't know which one we did. Maybe we've done them both now. Uh, but anyway, I just thought that would be a good pick today. And then we've got two others we'll talk about when we get to them. Cool. But yeah, I thought this would just be a unique cigar, something different. We've smoked these. Uh, we've just never done the number two. Uh, I did think that Casmaticus was going to be here, so I thought he was going to... We always put the whiskey out, but you know you know, the first time he goes on here, he's going to bring something weird out of the fucking box, right? Yeah. Um, I think... Um, I'd have to look back on my phone, but I think he had to run somebody to school. He may have had to run his son up to... to Mizzou uh, San That is good and it is smooth. And the breeze, it was probably just about a 10, five to 10 mile an hour breeze. The breeze is great. The breeze is just enough, the temperature is just right. If you jump out of the water and you stand in the shade, you're cold. Well, first of all, I don't know how many people just jump out of the water to stand in the shade. Well, this, this is true. Uh, so. Yeah, this is true. But, um, well, when you're quiet, the temple like of water, me. I want to say, is around. Um, 89, and I'm glad I didn't have her pull that down. Put the chiller on because it's perfect. Is that warm? On a is note, that one? Is that 120 plus? If it's 90 with a lot of humidity, uh, I, I like to have the pool around 85, 86. Um, What's the lowest that you? So is, would that be the lowest that you would take temperature in the pool? No, I think. I think that's about the lowest, yeah, 85. I mean, it's good and frisky at 85. And that, it does seem like it's kind of warm, 85 degrees. It, it sounds warm, right? But, but even the lake, when we jump in the lake, I know damn good and well it's in the 70s by our feet. Yeah. And then it warms throughout. Yeah. That's a little different. Like if we had little, you know what I'm saying? It's just a different all-around feel. Well, there's, there's times at the farm when you jump in the lake that you'll, you'll jump in, or you'll, you'll kind of, because we'll dive out and then kind of swim back. You'll almost go with like and a little short thermocline. You'll, right? Sometimes you'll you be, come back up it's warm. right, you'll feel like you're walking on some of the springs because you'll feel cold water on your yeah. feet. But then up here, you're, you know, it's probably about shoulder level, right? Walk out a little bit. Up here, it's, I mean, it's hot or it's warm. You know, it's not nearly as cold as it is below. But, so we do have some cool things I want to talk about. Speaking of single barrels, like this foolproof here, did you see um, Jim Beam and Fred No did the first ever single barrel pick of Booker's? I guess that, that is that suspenseful say, silence. I was supposed to say something like, "Was that a trivia question or something?" It, no, it just happened. Oh, first and only time it's ever happened. Oh, oh. single barrel pick for Booker's. Now it was done. Make sure I read this right. So what are so we would consider the bookers that we they usually put out uh, four times a year. Those are just small batches. They're single single barrel releases, but this was a picked barrel. Somebody picked a barrel, a single barrel pick of bookers. Oh, yeah. Um, it was done for two people. Um, it was the pick was purchased or chosen by a benefit 
um, that pick the barrel and then the sales for that from that barrel will go to benefit that that charity okay. right but super unique you know because then that poses the question like we said is it that you just call those small batches quarterly small batches or are they true single barrels so I thought about this, but then I thought about, okay, so like one of these bottles we're going to get to later is a single barrel, right? Well, like a single barrel is like what you would think, a single barrel. Like there may only be 200 to 250 in bottles, depending on how much yes. shares yes. got Angel share went and how much you get. So and it goes, it. is this, this Booker's pick? that now has become the single barrel pick for this this charity, was that going to be one of the quarter, quarterly releases? Right? Well, God, I would still think with the bookers, you got to put out more than 200-something bottles, right? I mean, that is... Well, well, yeah, so in that case, and that's where I think single barrel gets kind of funny, right? Because you'll have single barrel and there's you know probably 2500 bottles on the market well what that is is that's eight or nine barrels that the tasters have deemed taste the same now each one of those that they don't blend those together each barrel still empties into its bottles but that's that single barrel run you know you each each of the bottles did come so from a single barrel the single barrels you still could have a slight taste difference a hundred percent well it's just that's you know so it's all loosely known then. It's just like cigars. I mean, you're getting um, you're getting a pretty good average of everything, but you could have different different cigars that come at different times and stand longer or whatever. I mean, I mean, it's, it almost has to be like every cigar is different, but yet you're getting. Since your belly, your belly was like yeah. in the hole. I put my gut like, in it. And yeah. It was like it yeah. was like breathing, sucking. It was for holding air, the breath. You yeah, it, was, up. it was holding the breath. Okay, that was yeah. funny. I may or may anyway. not have been suffocating <laughs> the pool equipment. <laughs> my thing's going. Help! Uh, Help! Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. No, that's good. But when I hear shit like that, I'm like, okay, well, that's really good. I'd like to taste it. Right, and that's See what they picked. And you don't want to say you'll, you'll never taste it, but I feel like we'll never taste that. But that one was very curious to me because that is Booker's whole thing. They're all single barrel releases, and then you pick a single barrel. Right? It's kind of a double, because that's what you're doing when you pick a barrel, when you make a barrel pick. You're picking a single barrel due to its taste and its, its nuance that you enjoy, and then you have that bottle for you. Right? It's not like you're picking your favorite I've never blend. really looked at that and, and figured that out. And I guess I should ask more questions, you know, being the bourbon cowboy. But, you know, like single barrel. Okay, so what's the difference in a single barrel and a barrel pick? It just seems like pretty much the same thing. Yep. But, you know. I would guess that is the only difference between a barrel pick. We all know that's usually a barrel. Right, and so, well, so should be a single barrel. But what I would just say is a single barrel release is chosen by the tasters and distillers at the distillery. A barrel pick is chosen by the individual that bought the opportunity to pick a barrel. Obviously. Right, so you have different taste in that, I guess. But that just, I found that very interesting, right, just because of something like that. That would be like, I've never heard of a George T. Stagg barrel pick. 
right? Yeah, I don't. I, I think they just. But you've had Blanton's barrel picks. Those are single barrel. Huh. You know, eventually, I, I want to get a barrel of something. Yeah, me, me too. Me uh, put our tasters together because we have Super a relatively, you know, we like kind of the same shit. So, yeah. I mean, and I, we've not looked into it, and I've asked a couple people, and it even kind of stumped them. Can I just go to MPG and say, hey, you know, we're crafting Puro. We'd like to buy a barrel, and I do we'd like to find it and then see where it's at and pay for it. I do but, know you have to have a distilling license, um, which is not all that expensive, I think. Well, where it gets tricky. If you've got a liquor license, they don't have distilling license. No, but they have a liquor license because they're that's the method of their company. That's their business. They're selling liquor. How did the yeah. blonde girls do it then? Because that's what I was getting ready to get into. Okay. They, they did not purchase the barrel. They partnered with a company. They tasted and decided and selected on the barrel. The barrel was then purchased by this company that was allotted to keep bottles and then they paid the company to take the rest to a, to a um, again, a, a, a charity, right? Where then the money bought went towards the charity. How about if we just go down and hang around Buffalo Trace where the softball teams hang out? They just out? start playing pickup yeah, softball? Just say, hey. Do a bunch of steroids? We, and, no, I'm know. just saying, hey, we'd like to have a barrel. Now, I'm curious. We'll bottle it and label it ourselves. How? So I, I joke about this earlier today, right? Since Yellowstone come out, how many more people think they're cowboys now, right? A lot. After that documentary came out about Pappy Gate, how many people do you think move to Louisville to play softball and take steroids? To see I if someone would reel out a, a fucking barrel of Eagle Rare in the back of the truck and hit it with a hammer and drink out red solo cups. But I have to say, um, it's known within the market, wherever you work, that's kind of... Right, so you take a bottle once well, in a dude, while, they and they're said, all cool with that. They even said in the end, in the end of that documentary, it's they're like, happening. "Dude, it's still going on." Now, I mean, if you're taking, you know, if you're knocking the truck off and taking barrels at a time, you might get caught, bro. Yeah, we don't want you, know, you like rolling out a barrel, you know, and taking it to the softball. And game. and I think it's, I really, I really personally think it's just that industry. I think it is the distilling industry, you know, because you got to think about this. How many times? Um, on a uh, assembly line, does maybe something go wrong with the pump and one bottle only gets about three quarters full? And they got to stop it, pull that bottle off, fix it real quick, and go right back to it. You can't sell or those they bottles. Fuck up the wax or something. Right. And they just put it in the, the employee's pile. There you tank. go. Right? You know, I know I worked for Miller for four years as a, uh, you know, as a uh, helper on keg and, and package liquor trucks and um, every week we did two cases you know so and I know that happens throughout the industry anyway I just was like that would really be nice to do a barrel pick and at this point if we do it until we would get to a point where we would attempt a liquor license yeah we might have to partner up or even even you partner you partner with someone and and it it would be a lot of fun it'd be really cool to do it'd be really cool to do and just have the distillery sell it in their gift shop right like you know whatever um i think the reason it's such such an issue now is because of how nerdy and big bourbon has got you know i mean go back go back 10 15 years ago barrel picks 
I don't think were really a thing. You know, it wasn't a big drive. No, I mean the bourbon, really the bourbon kickup in the last decade, two years, maybe? right? Well, barrel picks, yeah. Oh yeah, barrel picks. I'll say in the past. So I, you saw them, like I would see them in, in very high class, or I shouldn't say high class, but well-known establishments that had a lot of allocations. You'd see one here, or there. You know, I mean, let's um, just you talk would about see, lit. Would you have thought? How long have we been with lit now? Since twenty. So. Almost two years. Two years. No, so two years, yeah. Would you have, I mean, how many barrel picks have they had already now? Yeah, dude, no, I, I, I know. at least? Nah. Or close. Let's close. just say close. Close. I would never have thought two years ago they would have, in two years, they would have 10 barrel picks. No. And then, like, total wine now, 175 barrel right. picks a year? It's, 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 it's absolutely like crazy. crazy. I mean, and it's, and see where, and then where it's funny, like, on the lid side is, like, the picks they've made, they haven't missed, right? And they and they they're at in two years they're at, at I want to say it's eight. I think it's seven or eight picks, right? So almost ten, like you said. But then someone like Tonal Wine, how many? If 170 plus picks, and there are how many Total Wines in the country? I don't know. So how many fucking bottles? Well, is that? I know there is here in St. Louis. If I am I thinking right, at least four, maybe five. So, I know of four. Okay, so let's say four, and there's one yeah. in Illinois. But here's the thing. It's like, okay, 72, 1792, foolproof comes out, and it's a barrel pick, and each store is going to get like 250 Well, the first time that bottle comes in, and the one guy comes in who's with a bourbon society, whatever, he goes, oh, my God, they just have their 1792 barrel picks. Guess what? Them 250 bottles are gone within two hours. Yep. So that's how they're able well, to Well, that's move. like, I used to... It used to surprise me. I'd laugh a little, you know, like you talking just local to, to St. Louis. You know the the Helen Fitzgerald and the Cybergs group, right? So Twisted Tree out in Sunset Hills, they've got barrels and barrel tops of barrel picks they've done over the years, up and down on their walls. Bottles you can buy, everything from Whistle Pig to Buffalo Trace to Maker's Mark, Yellowstone, Woodford, Four Roses. They've done them all, right? But I'm not, I'm up until, actually, I think it was after COVID. When you walked into a Cybergs, you didn't see Special Reserve Weller. You didn't see Blanton's. You didn't see High West. You didn't see these things. Now, dude, you go to the fucking Cybergs in Chesterfield. If you're a whiskey drinker, you got a pretty damn good selection to pull from. You really do. You can, you, you're not going to go wrong looking for it, you know? And it's they've just gotten so so popular, and I, I think I think that's probably got to do something with um, the amount of, of money business that the companies are doing, because they're able to sell that many more picks or single barrel options, things like that. You know, God, how many? And I'm sure I'm there? sure relationships have a lot to do with it. You know, if you got a good relationship, opportunities will bring themselves to you, right? Well, the you more know. product you're moving, the better your relationships yeah. are going to be. There ain't no doubt about that. But how many cybergs are there? God, there has to be. Shit. Just talking about the old school cybergs, you got one in Chesterfield. One in Chesterfield. One at Maryland Heights. Maryland Heights. Arnold. One down there on Watt. Or, uh, Arnold. Gravoy is the original yes. one. Yes. That's four. You got the one by the airport, that's five. You have North County is six. And then you've got the Twisted Tree. Twisted Tree. And then you got the one down Twisted there. Twisted Tavern. Yeah. Helen Fitzgerald. 
patio. Is Helen Fitzgerald's is, is Cybers. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Same family owns it. I think it's Helen Fitzgerald. Yeah. Is that the one down on on uh, Limburg? Limburg. Yeah, that's that's Cybers Group. Wow. Yeah. That, I mean, they got a they got a lot, man. Well, but to think about that, those those options weren't inside those restaurants. I mean, you didn't see them, you know. But it made it made perfect sense once I once I found out that you know Twisted Tree was you know owned by by the Cybergs Group, you know, because that's why I told you before it was right after COVID two years ago now, right? When we had kind of been able to go back out and they had that Maker's Mark um, stave collection. They had I was at the Cybergs in Chesterfield and I was like, ooh, can I have a pour of that? And they went, no, you have to buy it by the bottle. Like, well, how do I know if I like it? Like, well, you can go to Twisted Tree and they'll pour it for you. I'm like, so hang on. You want me to drive to Sunset Hills and try this whiskey to come back here and buy it from you? Wait, yeah. yeah. Well, why wouldn't I just go down there and buy it there? <laughs> well, it's what so are you crazy. doing, so, man? Okay, so you got to buy, like, three drinks or you got to do a tab of $100. Then you can have a shot or you can stand on your leg, put come in with a tinfoil hat. I mean, it's getting kind of silly with the bourbon at this point, I think. Oh, about how people sell it. Yeah. yeah, that's why I appreciate. I appreciate companies that, you know, and I throw this out. I throw this out about about lit. I talk about Jimmy at Crew and his prices. Things come in, and you could follow that weird guideline that everyone else does, where you only make it affordable to certain people, right? Or you come down just a little bit, right? You're not gouging yourself. You're not trying to undercut anyone else by pricing so low, but you price it comfortably where anyone can make the decision to enjoy it. Well, that's what has always pissed me off about the bourbon thing is because, listen, even on this podcast, you know, do I have money now? Yes, but I didn't. And there are young guys listening to us, young women that want to enjoy good cigars and bourbon, and I want them to have the ability to try good bourbon too. So, if a bottle cost if a bottle costs fifty dollars and it's extremely hard to get, and I would like my young listeners to try it, they can't get it because they don't spend nine thousand dollars a month there, you know, buying wine or whatever, and that just drives me crazy because then the guy that doesn't have that money, that much money, or doesn't spend that much money, is not going to be able to afford to try those things that they're passionate about and it drives it pisses me off um and i try not to do business with them and then it's it's just like back in the day when some of these like total wine and cheese they used to have a lot of these places used to have um raffles, raffles. yeah and everybody was included in a raffle well yeah because that was and the raffle where i did it for two years if you when you showed up Based on your ticket in line, that was the raffle ticket you got. Yeah. And then you got the opportunity to go in and buy the bottle. Well, now you only get selected if you spend X amount of dollars in a year or you're part of the, the platinum tier member group or whatever. So I don't go to Total Wine. I mean, every once in a while I'll go in there with something that I really need. But other than that, I don't spend that kind of money there anymore. Dude, I drop into Total Wine when I'm on my way to your house for your anniversary. And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I run into Total Wine real quick and I find something. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm, I'm joking, but that's like that's my total wine shopping. Like that's that's when I go in there. It's like oh, but some damn. of the guys damn, are still working all the rewards programs, and they're trying to work all this program. And I'm just like that's silly. I want to come there. You provide some coffee, 
and what they used to do, which I thought was so beautiful, they provide coffee and donuts. We get there at seven, you get a number. And even if you didn't get anything in the raffle, they still made like um, um, like seven year reserve, yes. will it? Yes. They saved up so many cases. Yeah. So everybody got something and they had so many blankets. Even if you even if you, you couldn't, couldn't get, get a, a bottle of blankets. If you couldn't get a hold of the highly allocated yeah, sought after. Yeah, you know, your little unicorn you're after, you didn't get that. Don't feel bad because right. we got a weller for you. And it's only going to cost you like 30-something bucks or whatever. And I just thought it made me so happy that they were doing that. And now it's like we only play with the big dogs. You guys forget you anymore. And that's kind of the way I'm like, well, forget you then, man. I'm not going to spend my money yeah. there anymore. Yeah, it gets... So wine and cheese and total wine for me, I, I don't... I don't deal with their games anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bummer. All right. So we do have some questions here, so we're going to get to these. Wow. Um, I did also see this was posted last night. Um, Liana Fuente left Arturo Fuente Cigars. Uh, that's Carlito Jr.'s, um, Carlos Jr.'s daughter, um, the oldest daughter. She was with the company for 15 years and handled a lot of their North American marketing. And she decided to leave the leave Fuente for other business ventures, but hasn't um, maybe a fast stated line or something. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. But I thought that was interesting, so just throw that out there. Was she good looking? Oh. No. Um, This I thought was cool. Um, Nicaragua, the Pura Seba Festival in Nicaragua, uh, between January 23rd and 27th, 2023. uh, Registration is open for it now. Um, $2,500 single registration. Forty-six hundred for a double registration includes hotels, meals, transportation between festivals, Gallabera, a T-shirt, commemorative box of cigars, souvenirs, and daily cigars during visits to facilities and nightly dinners. It does not include airfare. Um, Twenty-six cigar manufacturers will be involved in it, uh, but for about four thousand dollars per person to travel down to Nicaragua, you can have yourself a good time for four days. Well, we've been wanting to do... I'm not saying we're involved in this this little giddy-up. I'm not paying that much to do that. That's no, wild. Man. But I'm yeah. just saying, I think, it, uh, obviously, with... Um, we're going to be totally busy all fall, you know, pumping our three cigars and at least the one, the new, the Reaper, and which is going to be... We're going to be pumping that this fall along with the Cyclops and Hooligan. Um... You know, but the first of the year, I'd love to try to start barring no uh, pig infestation or monkey pox yeah, or, or more COVID, you know. Flying mad cow, whatever's right, coming next. That maybe yeah. we could put together something with some of our our uh, connections and get to Nicaragua and start looking at our next adventure. Yeah, that's something. Uh, we'll get into some questions, but I, I, a couple people asking me as the Reaper starts to make its way around, people are kind of doing the what's next thing. Um, and I, I think I can com- comfortably speak for the company, you and I. This is it for the rest of the year. Uh, maybe this time next year you'll see something new. But uh, 
the not thing that we won't be coming here. up with the ideas, but we oh wanna, yeah, dude, there's going to be... have fun with the Reaper and the Hooligan and the Cyclops for us. I'm not, year. I'm not saying that there might not be some crazy one-off that hangs around for ten or twelve boxes or packages or well, something. Well, we still have the Chilebra. We do. We also we have, have the, the Lancero and the Lancero that's just fucking yeah. sitting there. Um, it's just a matter of. You know, our first box is going out. It's slowly making its way around, and, and we've got big launch parties that we're doing at all of our locations that we got to plan those out. And even Zach was like, ooh, your first box, huh? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah, man. You know. Our um, first box. Uh, it looks, we're excited about it. So in, in the big nutshell, as far as uh, Vitola size and release, I'm going to say the Reaper will be the last thing we do this year. Um, again, there may be, you know, look, the, the Super Toro, Yeah, maybe we there. do some Chilebras for one of the parties. Maybe, or right. Or something, the Pop Super the Toros will be in there. Yeah, but something. the Core 3, that's going to be what yeah, we're going to have fun We're going to ride out 22 with that. We've got, we've got the Cowboys putting together some really cool company hat designs um, that are going to be available, some polos, some flannels. Um, we're also going to be doing some brand-specific I can't wait for you guys to see the, the Reaper hat. It, it's going to be a, it's a stellar hat, man. It really is. Uh, but that's going to be a Halloween thing, you know. We're looking at October for that hat, maybe. If if that's still whatever. Have you heard from that guy? No. Okay. Cool. Well, <laughs> we'll talk about that out there. I haven't heard from him either. Yeah. Um, but we're really excited about it, man. So just kind of stay tuned with us. Um, I have updated the website. Maybe have something. Yeah, right no now. shit. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Uh, I have updated the website. If you go over to the website, I have updated our entire event calendar. On that event calendar is everywhere that, that we are doing, uh, as well as events that we're, I don't want to say sponsoring, but we're kind of help promote. They're all there as well. Um, and I updated the entire cigar page. So you can go on and get in-depth views of the tobaccos, um, packaging and everything on uh, the Hooligan, the Cyclops, and the Reaper. So that's at craftandpuro.com. Um, so let's go to our first question. Since we hey. have these, all right, we got to get our first question here on the Craft the Pro One Hundred One Point. What the fuck? And by the way, we are on air. Uh, yes, we, we are. Have we are live on air. On air. Which I guess. I all right. So this, I'm going to start. This setup. is from one of our patrons, Tim Morgan. Um, Tim, what's up, buddy? What is your favorite everyday carry gear for cigars? Well, for me, I mean, I know you change up from time to time, and I have. I mean, yeah. I had a little leather thing. I was. But working. see, we okay. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Remember when I we first kind of got together? I had a slide leather thing. You had that and one. It held had. three, but actually, it held one little cylinder of bourbon. Like maybe a, a pour. A little flask. Yeah, yeah a little flask. It was super cool. And it had two cigars. It came in handy at the winery that day. Don't forget that. Yes. <laughs> and then I had a custom lid made with it that would leatherly and hold my phone. But as much as we changed, anyway, long and short story, you know, if we're somewhere for three or four hours, it just wasn't cutting it. So I went back to like a, just a regular plastic carry-all that usually carries four cigars my cutter lighter and um and i get to be a creature of habit i don't change up too much and then um but i just have you know 
these boxes, you know, if you get online, you can usually get one if you buy a five pack from time to time. Totally. And I've just, I, I put a little 69er in there, a Balvita, and I've probably been working it, and I don't think I've changed that Balvita in a year, and it's still soft. I don't see why you would. Yeah, I, yeah. I think they're, they're some of the best, honestly. Um, so what do you what do you carry as far as you know cutter lighter knife you well wallet like what do you so you're rolling up for the day because this is how I want to answer this you're rolling up for the day pack out verbally pack out what you're taking well I always carry the mini uh, Dupont best mini. fucking Dupont's on the market and now listen and he says that but I we have had trouble with Dupont from time to time there's no lighter out there that doesn't have issues but. This mini has really treated me well, and I think I've been having them now for at least four years. And my first one, listen, let's be honest, you know, I dropped it in a lake, I, it, you know, whatever. <laughs> but it lasted me two years, and it's fantastic because it fits in that little pocket of my jeans. And then I have a cutter that my brother gave me about five years ago, and it's a zero, it's a, um, Perfecto cutter. It's a perfecto because it's got a little hole and it's like a mistake-free cut. It's dummy proof. It's probably a 3 16ths. Yep. And it cuts it and, and you can always go back. And the whole the whole idea for that hole is a torpedo or a pigtail. Yeah, and I believe this is Cuban crafters. Yes. Let me see here. And then that's about it. That's typically all I need. Now my partner, <laughs> it's a Cuban, C-U-B-A-N. Yeah, Cuban crafters. Stainless crafters. steel Cuban. Um, and it's I do clean Don it Kiki. from time to time, but man, the blades are still sharp as shit, and I wouldn't want to put my finger in there because it would nip it right off. Yeah, don't do that. But those are the basic, is the mini uh, DuPont, and, um, and then I carry usually four cigars. But I, I must say, because we are guys that are cigars, I usually carry a three-pack of all three of our cigars because, you yep. know, inevitably you start a conversation, and what do we do? You want to share a cigar yep, with I've started. I've started keeping so a three-finger case. So I always case. have a cigar yep. for somebody to try. If not, I think we're doing ourselves an injustice. Yeah, yeah. So as far as what I carry, everyone knows I'm a huge supporter of Alan Rubin. Uh, not Alan Rubin, sorry. Alan from Project Carbon. Um, he's made a couple of cases for our friends. He did a custom one for me. Um, I've always got that. It holds my business cards, cigars, cutter lighter, my pen, my notepad. Everything is in that. Um, so when I load out just every day, I basically make sure I got five cigars in it. Um, I do have my cutter and lighter in there. Um, and then I've got my uh, 007 DuPont that I carry as well as my wood bag um, guillotine cutter that I carry as well. Um, as far as favorite, and I, I do agree with what the Cowboy said, I have started. I've got a little leather three-finger case that I carry. Originally, it was two Cyclops or two Hooligan and one of the other, or now I've just got one of each end. You know, just, just because we have been in that conversation where it pops up, and luckily, I think we've been at events where we just kind of grab some of our shit and hand it out. But, um, yeah, I, that's, that's what I carry. I, I think most importantly... Hear me out here, people think I'm crazy here. If there's only two things you take with you, take cigars and a lighter. You don't necessarily need a cutter. Like, if you leave home and you can't find a cutter, you're not in trouble, no. right? You can. There are ways to remove the cap. 
shit. I've seen guys bite the end off something and smoke it. And I've with done a that. Phenomenal ash, right? So I bit the end off, but just make sure you've got a team member, you know, that'll fucking tell you if you've got like tobacco hanging in your teeth and shit. Like, yeah, don't you're don't smoking and you're like, yeah, I bit it off, and then about five minutes later, people are laughing. You're like, hey, yeah, tobacco hanging <laughs> in between your front two teeth. Like, hey, dude, you might want to check your teeth. Yeah, maybe don't bite. <laughs> the cigar cap off if you have a friend there and tell you what's in your mouth. And kind of know how to bite that cap off because I think there's a technique to that. You roll it and get it soft and you can... Well, if you're going to do all that, you can just peel the cap off of your fingertips exactly. too. But, you know. Yes, there is a technique Sir, may I have that. a pour of that, please? Yes, you may. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's how I feel about that. Um, and your loadout's your loadout. You know, don't... Um, Actually, I'm not even going to say don't. I, I see some guys get... <laughs> we were joking one time. Uh, who are we talking to that knows... Uh, remember when we were at Smoking Sip? And that dude popped open that freaking Yeti, that little case like I got here? Yeah. Had the iPad with the speakers. He had a bottle of cognac, two glasses, cigars, cutter hey, lighter. there's some guys that just go big. Hey, man. I ain't mad at you. No. Yeah, but I'm not doing it. Right? Yeah. It's like a lot. I like to carry... I like to, you know... Especially if I don't have you know, my gal with me or something, which I could, I don't want to say she's like a pack And hey, that's always the best though, when I, I can shove it in the purse, her, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I try to be a one man. Like, hey, if you want to, if you want to carry the arm bag, you're going to carry the, the shit in the rack? arm bag. Yeah. yeah. So that's well, how I feel about that. That's a good option to that. Every, every day carry, um, always, you know, that's how I feel about that. Make sure you leave, have your cigars. Uh, and have a lighter. You can always find a cutter. You can always find some way of cutting a cigar and cutting it properly without damaging it. It's, it's very easy to do. Um, believe it or not, uh, cigar smokers did it for a very long time, up until the 50s when the cutter, the actual individual hand cutter was brought into public. So it can definitely be done. There's no harm, no foul there. Uh, I have been with some old school boys. Hey, you know how my dad did it? He just bit the end. Yep. And I mean, literally, they go in there and they get their like molars on there, like crunch. That's how you do it. I'm like, okay. All right. So this next question is from Kyo Schultz. This is uh, my buddy in Hawaii that sent over the Panolos and the Poly Road for Coatla Distillery. Um, he's going to ask this question. We have talked about this before, but we'll do it again. Uh, is it plume or is it molten? That's a good question. Um, in my experience, I mean, I think you need to get into the humidor and smell a little bit um, because I definitely got into some humidors where I see what I think is plume and then I'm looking around and doing a little investigation. I'm <laughs> like, okay, I think this is definitely mold, you know? So, especially with basement humidors, I have found that. Well, that's because of the mildew point right. under the ground. Yeah, that's that's just, you're a builder, you know that. Um, number one, plume is not a common occurrence. Um, when you see plume on a cigar or a dusting on a cigar, it means that you have literally caught those tobaccos at their primest of ripe age ready to be smoked right now and the oil stayed intact long enough that they came to the surface typically you will see this in uncellophane cigars well that's what i was going to reason say. being Good in point. cellophane when the oils come to the surface as you're moving the cigars around 
that plastic is rubbing on the cigar, not causing any damage, but it will pull the oils away. How do you tell plume? Okay, you have seen a very well-aged cigar inside cellophane, correct? You pop it out, the cellophane is that gold yellow color. Those are all the oils that left the cigar that would have plumed on top of the wrapper, okay? That's how you see age inside a cellophane cigar. Now, if you have a cellophane cigar and you see something growing on the inside, it does not mean that it's mold. One thing that you need to remember, tobacco molds, cardboard molds, liquid-based mold, because there is dry mold, etc., moss, things like that. Liquid-based mold will always have a color hue to it. If you've seen crystalline structures on a cigar, that is not a mold spore. Mold spores will always appear in a blue, a yellow, or a green, okay? If you see that on the cigar, that is mold. Now, if you cut the cap on a cigar, and once you cut the cap, you see white spores under the cap, that is mold, okay? That is what you look for. One of the most determining things that you can do with the cigar if you're worried about it being mold. If you take that cigar and you take your finger and you wipe it across the top, if all of that, that crystalline structure, that, that white uh, powder looking wipes away, that is oil on top of the cigar. If you wipe it away with your finger and you can still see the veins from it, then that means the mold has stepped in and the color hue could be a number of reasons why it's not there. Now, okay? talking about all that in general, as long as you've been smoking and I have been smoking, I've not encountered that m maybe one in a thousand. Plume? No. Mold? A, a mold issue. Oh, I've, 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 found, I've found mold on, on hundreds of cigars over the years. Um, well, I guess I'm just smoking them with the mold because I, I, I... No, 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 I'm not saying like mine. Like my, I've, I've had mold issue one time and it was just because I was storing things behind one of the fans where the humidifier was, like a dumbass creating a mold issue. Um, but you'll, you'll find them and a lot of times, that's the thing too, just because you see... And here, and here let, me, let me start this, I'm kind of bouncing, sorry. If a humidor has a mold problem, you will smell it when you walk in. You'll smell that that pungy kind of sitting water smell. Yeah. You'll know it's there. But mold can happen in any array of issues, right? Say, say you walk into a humidor, a new release just came to that humidor, and that store owner bought 25 boxes of that cigar. One size, right? Hypothetical scenario, okay? They sell through the first 10, right? Well, maybe on that truck, on that pallet, water got onto the boxes in the bottom of that pallet, right? Even though they're in cellophane and sat, maybe they sat there just long enough that some of that water seeped in to the wood of the box, yeah. okay? Then you bring those boxes in and maybe those boxes sit for a year before all 25 sell. By the time you get to that 25th box, there is a chance that mold may have developed inside that box, right? That's not manufacturer fault. That's not store owner fault. That's luck of the draw. It happens. Um, also, in that statement, anytime you've seen an Ecuador, Connecticut, a Corojo, sometimes a light Habano, do not freak out and think mold are the small little green dots that you see. Those little green dots can be watermarks from the fermenting of the leaf when all the chlorophyll is not pulled away from the wrapper itself. You know, uh, typically that's a good sign of well fermentation. Um, so don't freak out on that. That's my, uh, oh, and then here's my ignorant one. 
anyone that knows me knows that I am uh, definitely allergic to penicillin. So if you have a cigar and you think it's mold on there and you won't smoke it, give it to me and I'll cut it and light it. And we got about 35 seconds before I go into shock, so we'll know if it's mold or not. Or I could just bring over my green penicillin bread and let you eat it. Scrape but, it off. Yeah, that's that's how I feel about that. I mean, look, that's an argument that's never going to go away because uh, if you really want to get technical down to it, even plume, uh, the growing of the crystalline structures from oils, from a moisture content inside the cigar is technically a mold, right? So you can say that. Um, well, there's good and bad. But, and I well, just yeah, think there's, you know, I, out of all my travels I, and all, it doesn't come up to be an issue. No, and, now, and that's we're the, talking education-wise, so you know a little something. But I don't think it's anything for. No, uh, now I've never been. I've never been into like I've opened like someone that's had a humidor for years and hadn't done anything with it, and you can see the mold growing in it. And you open it, you get that whiff. Yeah, I've done that. But I don't. I can't say that I've been inside a humidor where there's been a mold issue. Yeah. Right. You know, and anytime you look into a box, it's always going to be the the cigar that's in the bottom right corner, bottom left corner. You know, um, or you'll see sometimes where people have open air humidifiers. Uh, you've seen those where they actually you walk in, you can see the mist coming out of the humidifier. If you've got cigars stationed right in front of that, of on or on top of it, and the moisture is constantly hitting it, yeah, you might have a mold issue. <laughs> right. The only thing that I got. I kicked myself in the butt because I just wasn't paying attention. I was sitting with a guy one time and he had a nice cigar. I don't remember what it was. And he goes, hey, he goes, I really like the cigars you're talking about and whatever. How about you trade me one for mine and yours and whatever. He wasn't there very long. And then he said, hey, I got to go, whatever. Thanks for the trade, whatever. And when he left, I started looking at that cigar a little more uh, closely. And there were little uh, holes in it. There were little... Uh, the tobacco beetles? Yeah, it had the little well, so the it, little beetle holes. There was I found probably <laughs> three of them, and I don't know if he knew that or not. Well, but in that, I've never had a guy trade me cigars the, before. The miscommunication in that, right, is look, all all tobacco has has tobacco beetle larvae on it, right? It's, it's there. It's just a part of. It's just how it grows, right? The thing that's always been funny about, now, if you have a bad beetle issue, beetles will literally eat through the cigar. I mean, you see cigars ruined. But if you have one hole in the cigar, that's not a bad deal. You can smoke that cigar, right? The hole isn't because the beetle went in. It's because the beetle, the larva hatched and came out, right? But once they come out, they die. It's a shitty lifeline, it really is. It's like, it's like worse than a fly, right? Once they come out, they're dead. So you can, you could smoke the cigar. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, now, someone trading you one with a bunch of bullet holes in it? <laughs> Maybe that's a little asshole-ish, but, you know. I think he was being a little... Yeah, anyway. That was fun. <laughs> All right, we got a couple more questions. We'll come back to those in just a second. And uh, uh, I'm gonna start, start this one off. This one is fun. Um, I'm going to ask the question and then we'll finish it here in a minute. True or false? Smoking heavier to lighter will increase taste or lighter to heavier will increase taste? Hey guys, FFK here. 
Make sure to tune into every episode of Craft and Boodle. And don't forget that as listeners, you guys receive a 15% discount on the entire order when you shop at my store. Promo code CraftBoodle15. Once again, CraftBoodle15. Make sure you follow me at Instagram at FFK underscore stands. So you can receive that discount. And once again, thanks for listening. Lighter to heavier. I would think if you're starting out light and, and then you're moving to a heavier, you're changing the taste profile. So I, I would think lighter to heavier. Is it a trick question or? No, no, no. I, I want to know your point. Well, like any cigar that we do, you know, there's a start and there's usually. And I don't want to say there's a start, middle, and a finish, but I think there is a start. There could be um, there could be four or five different uh, different taste profiles that happen within a cigar. So, so it was: can the taste profile change going from lighter to heavier, and can it, it can go from heavier to lighter? Absolutely. I, I don't know why it can't. If that was the original question, if I understood it. Right. Yeah. No, no, no. So going light to heavy just seems like the natural progression, right? Now, I, where I'm not sure the, the question makes a little sense is I don't, I don't know that saying lighter to heavier almost sounds like you're going to go through a natural growth of like a, a mild, moderate, medium, medium plus, full, extreme, right? Now, if you're smoking like that through a day, I mean... You're gonna you're gonna confuse or cook your palate, right? You may end up because during that day you're gonna have to consume something, you're gonna have to eat something. You know things are going to change. Um, but I don't think there's I don't think there's a right answer to that. Like I look, I I have sat down and smoked you know exclusivos and twenty six number twos and smoked real heavy heavy cigars and then sat down and just and literally fired up a My Father Connecticut and it's just silky and creamy and and put together and it's almost like there's more flavor and taste in that than there was you know going against your your chocolates your leathers your oaks and your spices well i'm just wondering if he's saying can we smoke cigars that are building on taste because sometimes you'll do like you know a corona and i and listen uh i'm not a big technical guy um the viking is but if you're looking at a six you know like 55 or a 656 and or maybe even a, a six and a half that first inch or so maybe kind of start off kind of mild and not much is happening and then all of a sudden once you get through that first inch all of a sudden you're picking up some flavors and they're expanding and then you're getting and, and especially sometimes in maybe a, a bellicosa or specific to the design of the cigar I absolutely think there's all kinds of ways that can kind of happen. And can a, a cigar start out one way and, and through the middle do something and then end differently? Hell yeah. I think that's the beauty of some cigars. And then some you can have them roll consistent all through it depending on the size. You know, whether it be a nub or a robusto, um, or even, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I think it's all open. So I say yeah on all of it. I agree. I agree. I think that either which way you go, whether you go mild to full or full down to mild, and again, taking that total other retrospect, size, right? Now, if you're smoking mild to full Lanceros, right, of course flavor is going to rotate up and through because the amount of wrapper leaf you're going to get, right? But then if you start with a, a Corona, then you go to a Toro, then you smoke a Pig, then you smoke a Churchill, you know, you're going to be, the way the tobaccos are blended, the way they're put together, you're going to play around with a bunch of them. I mean, it's the same way in music, too, when you start an album. I mean, you know, the first couple songs are, are I mean, sometimes albums are storylines and they're building on the first two songs. And then in the middle of the album, you know, they're building and building. And then, you know, maybe the last couple songs, you know, you're really building into an amazing uh montage of finishing songs that finish that album and i think some ways and sometimes it's like a cigar and and, um and even a drink of bourbon can can be like that uh as well like we've had stuff that kind of when you take it in it sits around the mouth and and plays around in your taste buds a little bit and hangs and then whoo bang then it's going down and now you're getting some heat and some things are happening. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, man, there's all kinds of carnival action shit going on through the whole process. I I agree. You can tie that into, like, a novel or a movie or, like you said, with music or with bourbon. Um, You know, sometimes you have a climax that starts a movie and then you go through the story to get to the nice end, right? That's your fool to your life. That's like the guy who bought the the cigar from me and he cut it in half. And he (laughs) says, is this a problem? And I said, well, are you going to do the end first or are you going to do the beginning first? (laughs) It's kind of like, I don't know. I mean, maybe start. So you do your first half one in the morning and then, you know, maybe just don't do the back first. That would be kind of goofy. So yeah, backwards. It's goofy either way. Yeah. All right, that one's cool. Before we get to this last one, how you digging on the cigar, man? We've been on the 1792. Yeah. I want you to introduce the next bourbon. I like that 1792, man. I think foolproof is is. I think foolproof and and was was there a rye? Was there a 1792 rye? High rye. High rye? Yeah. That one's almost impossible to find now? Well, if you can find it now, there's the sweet wheat and the high rye. I think the high rye may be that dark brown label. Yeah, sweet wheat. I mean, sweet wheat's easy. That's, uh, I think that's probably the most the popular. The high rye, I think too. I saw it a while back, one bottle for 120 bucks. Um, but anyway, to get back to this, no, man, this is a good cigar. And, um, the problem for me is, is like, always, is like saying, well, you know, there's this through that. I will say this, the draw for me on it is a little tough. It isn't, um, and I even did a second cut, and the second cut when I did it um, really opened up well, but as I, I'm getting, I mean, we're, I'm, I don't right. even think I, went, we're I think I went, in. I went just a little lower than you. Yeah, yeah, I went just a little lower. Oh and maybe I need to do a third cut now because it's my draw has really slowed down. 
because usually I'm way ahead of you mm -hmm. and I'm pretty much for you because I think my draw has slowed down. But well, um, I think you're enjoying the smoke and the tobacco more now. Like you're spending more time with it, I think is what I'm trying to yeah. say. Yeah. You're diving in. Oh, that's all right. Hey. Okay. That's all. That, that, there you go. <laughs> I'm just glad I wasn't the first one to do it. <laughs> well, no, it happened the other now day. Now it's you asking the pool. It's free game, boy. <laughs> My every time we go to the we go to the lake, uh, one of my friends will be like, "Yeah, he's fucking great, man!" And I'm like, "He's pissing off the side of the thing," and I'm like, "Dude, what the hell are you doing?" And he's like, "What do you mean, man?" And I'm like, "Well, listen, it's a lake. I get it, you know. But to start off like pissing all around where we're hanging out, I get it. But um, so then one time he was there, and I flicked my." cigar over at the edge of the lake and he goes whoa 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 dude why are you throwing your cigar in your lake whatever i said listen man all that's natural tobacco right that ash is being burned at such a high degree it's clean as can be i said it's all natural i said there's nothing for me to worry about that's gonna break down and just be fine no big deal it's all natural um anyway yeah. Are we going to get rained on? No, no rain today. Dude, look at that. We're looking straight up, and you got these clouds, these puffy white with gray, and there are these Dude, the moon's extraordinarily out white beams that, that are the moon, the shooting moon. all over the place. The moon's the moon. out today. What do you mean the moon's out? The moon was out today. You can see there's half moon today. Huh, well. Like in, the, in the sky. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, I look. I dude, I, I pulled these out because I thought uh, we had we had talked oh, uh, the mad, the mad Ru Crazy way better. Oh, yeah, hell yeah. The mad Russian's on his way. We're gonna see him after this trip from uh, Sydney, Australia. God, we haven't seen the uh, mad Fucking Russian. A month, dude. In a month, uh, at least. Um, longer than that. So I haven't I haven't smoked these in a while, and I, I've had this box sitting down just in the bottom of the humidor, and I saw it, and I was like, oh shit. Well. You know, the Russians coming back. We haven't had Casimaticus the Gladiator on yet. And so I was like, dope. So you I call him the Gladiator? Casimaticus the Gladiator? It just sounds like a Gladiator. I like it, man. You're I know. good at It's just Casimaticus. I used to think, I told you, I thought it was a nickname. I thought you were bullshitting me. Then the guy shows me his driver's license. I'm like, you do understand you have the coolest last name like, of everybody? Like, you sound like a Gladiator. It's Casimaticus. Casimaticus. But I thought it was Casimaticus. Catham. Cathematicus, whatever. Cathematicus. So I just, after a while, man. Oh, I think it's name with Cathematicus. <laughs> you gotta use the the, the Cathematicus. And then my buddy's like, like Praymanthemus. <laughs> um, and we were laughing about it. And I go, guess so what? I'm calling him Paul Cass. I was like, I'm gonna bring, I'm gonna bring these cigars out. We haven't done them, especially the number two, the pencil, this size on the cigar. Um, this is one of the cigars when I talk about Honduran tobacco. I'm not a big Honduran tobacco fan. Um, Leaf by Oscar, I do think that the Sumatra is pretty good, um, but I, I really wasn't. And then when Yusto Yoroa had Aladino come out, I think that some of that is, I think that's the finest use of Honduran tobacco I've ever, I've ever tasted. But what these the pencils, on here? Uh, it says, so supposedly it's a Nicaraguan San Andreas, Nicaraguan seed San Andreas. Um, but I really like this cigar. This cigar shows some of the low, the low points of, um, like what, where I, where I kind of draw my baking spice taste from is what I pull out of this, where it's not spicy, but it's kind of got the, um, oils from a pepper that hang out. 
but there's a lot, a lot of peanut, more than Dominican tobacco. There's a lot of trail mix, salted peanut kind of play around in it. Kind of earthy notes. Yeah, there, there you go. And against the 1792, where, and again, we're out, we were out here in the heat a little bit, but just foolproof, period. Now this barrel pick is a, is a lot different, it's more fun, but just foolproof, period, draws a lot a lot of oak that we don't talk about but there's also like that that um it's caramel but it's like cooked caramel what do you call that um you're not talking molasses no 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 i'm talking it, it's it's like a it's it's a warmed caramel is what i well, draw you know from the really night and yeah. the warm caramel against against the cigar that together was really good and it's a fun cigar. Well, there's man. all kinds of different tasting caramel, right? Because like, um, I haven't had them in years, and then I bought a box of milk duds, which I didn't know there was a milk dud shortage. But I sucked all of the milk chocolate off of it, and that caramel. Wait, has there's a, little a milk dud bit shortage. Of, it's a little roasted caramel. It's uh, got th- a thank li- you, roasted caramel. It's thank got you. a little um, like roast in it, not burnt, but it's kind of roasted. Oh, there he is. one. Oh, look. All hey, right. all right, guys. We're going to take a quick break. And we'll be right back with our pop-on hey, oh, guest. Hey. You're listening to Stone Tribe on the Craft and Puro podcast. Download our brand new song, Island Time, and help us raise money for United Cerebral Palsy. 25% of our profits go to help families pay for desperately needed medical equipment and procedures. Connect with Stone Tribe at stonetribemusic.com for music. We are who we are. All right, all right, guys, we are back. Uh, we got the Mad Russian joining us. He just got back from... Uh, Australia. Australia. Hello. Foster's. Oh, wait Australia. Now that's, that's Brit, right? Yeah, yeah, there you go. Call them Brits. They like that. They like when you do that. Hey, blokes. <laughs> Blo- blo- Let's get pissed, blokes. Blo- 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 you're still British. Aren't they called blokes? Blokes? Bloke. Yellow UK. Bloke. Okay, bloke. You should watch. <laughs> Listen, I don't have. What do they call oh those God. people? They pull in, um, you know, speak, speech people or whatever they call a them. A linguist. Linguist. Okay, go. good. That sounds really good. <laughs> so they come in and teach me how to talk some stuff like. All right. The guy is the, the guy who did all the zoo animal stuff that got Steve Irwin with the stingray. Yeah. What's his name? Steve Irwin. Yeah, I always yeah. get him mixed up with Steve Irwin, got, the whale watcher guy got, who's out there trying to protect the whales. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's breaking every international wall. Yeah, whale wars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what did you pour for us? Okay. So, I don't know. Has it been probably two years, one of the anniversaries? And I told Dude, Mark, three I, or four. I cannot stand peerless whiskey. Now, and when I say that, that's not a pound on him, but I just did not care for Peerless. But I didn't care for, and neither did you, Old Elk. Nope. I mean, how many bourbons have we said we don't care for, but now they've come around the corner and now we're praising. So he brings me this and he pulls it out of a beautiful case and that, hey, happy anniversary. And I'm like, Peerless, I'm like, yeah. And then I open it, and we do a pour, and it is damn good. It's a Peerless single barrel um, selection from Peerless. Yeah. Rye? Yep. 
a single uh, uh it's a over barrel, 100 right? right yeah it's 108 yeah yeah and, uh, and right away i loved it yeah it was bottled in dude that's from 19 i think it was 19 i guess yeah. I'm telling you, man, years just fly. So this is three year, three months. It was actual, the barrel date is 16. Um, and it's a total wine barrel pick. Barrel name, Cups Rays Q Gloria. You want one of these gems? Rye corn gems? and barley. Yeah. So anyway, we've had it. We're just about halfway through and I have oh, said this hey, about go grab Peerless these bottles are some of the most beautiful bottles that have ever been designed well yeah and I think uh, I think our joint our joint uh, love for Peerless and again I send this shout out to Brian and Brad all the time dude when I went down to Louisville was that last year yeah yeah uh, they set me up with what I think I, I don't have to do a distillery tour ever again uh, Because I got I literally got the one-of-a-kind tour, you know, I mean I was with Corky from Peerless um, We got to go into the tasting room like we skipped or we went to their offices Skipped the whole touristy thing went upstairs and we got to taste and name shop barrel picks like for the, the, the distillery and then we're drinking on those they were amazing I was able to get Dave one for his wedding um, and then I brought back that double barrel from Peerless. Was it double barrel or double, double oak? Oaked. Sorry, double, double oaked. oaked. Double oaked from Peerless. Dude. And that is one of the, man. Not I'll only tell was you it what. the most memorable Peerless, well, there's another hey, one too. It was a, um, well, I'll come up with that name. But was our, our uh, selection that we, the cigar we picked with it. The viajes that we ran with was yeah. fantastic too. And I, do you remember what cigar we picked? Uh, they were the Platino and the Oro that we smoked with the Double Oaks. We did it up there at Third Shoot in Grafton. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Which I think that was the first time we ever did that. I had never been there. Right. Then we did Viaje. Yeah. Yes. I think so. Yes. Yeah. That was that was because I, I remember I made the joke about because I went to Riverside down there in uh, Jeffersonville in Indiana, right across from Louisville. Uh, I made a joke. I was like, look, I've known about Viaje, right? But I'd only ever paid attention to Viaje's club shit, the rare stuff they do. I didn't know Viaje had a core line, right? I, I, I've been so consumed by the the the, the one-offs and all the things they do like, like Zion does. That, uh, I'm in there and I'm like, wow, look at this. These are cool. And I'm like, hey, what are these? You guys tell me. I'm like, oh, shit. Because then I bought those leaded's. But then I got the last two Platinos and the last two Oros, and I was like, dude, this would be cool. Because same cigar, just a filler differential between the two. That's what they did with them. So it wasn't even like a, a, a huge immediate taste impact, but it was going to change the body of each cigar. You know, it would do differently. Well, so I thought that was fun. It was one of our, if we went back at some point, we have some time. In the winter when things slow down, maybe we'll go back and rate them. But that was definitely, maybe right now, one of our top ten uh, pairings as well as picks that we have yeah. on the show. Yeah. All right, well, let's definitely. cheers this. Yeah. And, uh, hey, come say cheers hi. Cheers to having the Mad Russian back. I think it's been about six weeks. It's been a while. Because yeah. weeks go by like days anymore. It's crazy. Yeah. And uh, you being a traveling man. 
Traveling vans work when I can. Yeah, I uh, I I left the U.S. four weeks ago, maybe five weeks ago. It's been, so. what are you My big question: Did you try any of that Atlantis reserve while you were over there? I looked for it. I looked for it, and and I, I even looked in, in in travel stores. That's the one thing I was looking for. Um, so because I wanted you to try it. Because we got some of Is that, that the reserve. the black one? The no, green the green one. label the green that we got. Yeah, yeah. And um, it didn't, I was always, because I think we always had questions about the seal. Yeah, You had a bottle of that, didn't you? I think, Remember I, I, we got I, think I do have one. Yeah, yeah. And we were just worried about the seal because it just wasn't very good. It didn't have any potent. And I was like, was the seal um, got compromised so, and it wasn't good? Because I just find it hard to believe the plans would that was put on, something That out. was on two different bottles, though. Or was that just my bottle? I was same thing on I my bottle. I don't, I don't know. It had like white it. plumbing tape around mine when yeah, I got it. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Oh. And, and I, I, it wasn't very good. I don't and, remember anything like that on mine. I just, I just remember we tried it. So like in this order, right? We'd had Blands, then we had Blands Gold. In the same, in the same, in the sitting, we had gold first, and we were so excited. And then he goes, "Then hey, we got, I got the special reserve. reserve," and it was like, and we bought man. two. I bought two bottles. I bought one. I ended up giving it away, but it had like plumber's tape wrapped around yep. the seal. Like maybe it had gotten hot and broke the seal, and like air had got was getting in it, or the cork expanded. See, that's the problem with a lot of these, like. Uh, so this bottle I that mean, Mark brought, we'll, we'll do, we'll, the Russian brought this, we'll do this in the after hours so everybody can see it because it's local. you got to have temperature, I've heard of Blanton bottles blowing up in cars. Well, dude, they're talking now, these ceramic corks, they're like, dude, a lot of these guys are going to screw tops now because these ceramic corks are expanding inside vehicles. Like, you'll have them in a truck being, you know, they're being hauled from wherever to wherever, and it's 120 degree day with humidity. Yeah, but you got to travel on a steel truck, especially depending on the time of the year. You got to be. I just can't even believe we're talking about but it. But you wouldn't. You, you know, look. You don't expect. I mean, you don't expect that, right? I don't think that. Look, when you put, you know, glass is heat treated. You know, it's it's got a it's got a melting or cracking point. Um, you know that that bourbon has a, a a dew point, right, where it's going to either swell or evaporate. Um, I don't think you would think about the cork. You know, I think about all kinds. But that's of that's the same thing as like like when we looked at remember when we had that old Fitzgerald that vintage like from the fifties that was yeah. 12, that old Fitz twelve. They've talked about the problem with people selling vintage bottles that have never been opened, right? Uh, so have you seen Jim Beam did a lot of these? They're like model cars with a decanter in them. Yeah, I know a place that right? had three thousand okay. of them. Cool. The issue with those is that alcohol sits in that container for 30, 40 years. It slowly eats that cork, right? It dissolves, it's alcohol. <laughs> it slowly dissolves that cork. So when you go to open it, much like we did, oh, you and I did it with that Queen Elizabeth scotch. Oh, yeah. Remember when we got excited? Yeah. We popped it, we were like, Ka! Yeah. Nope. And the cork just breaks right yep. off. 100%. So I, we, I had the same thing with that old Fitzgerald bottle that was given to me, um, decanter, and it was probably 35, 40 years old. And I knew the cork was going to break, and it did. But what I did was is I took a wine, uh, a wine screw 
and I just screwed through it and screwed it back out so there was a hole. And then I poured it over a glass and all the little corks came out and it was kind of like an old man pissing, kind of. Because it takes a while. Yeah, so kidney stones? You don't. No, not kidney stones. It's just, it doesn't come out like a Clydesdale anymore. And then when we poured it, it was fantastic. So, I mean, it's kind of luck of the draw, I think. But that's the dilemma with, with, with uh, spirits. So with, with, with wine, you know, you leave it on the side. The, 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 keeping the, co the cork moist prevents that from, from happening, but you do that with whiskey. So you gotta do a rotation. Yeah, but, yeah, but the problem is you do that when you leave whiskey on, on its side like wine, and it'll deteriorate the cork, yeah. so you can't. You have to store it vertically, and then and then it dries out the cork, so you, you're kinda screwed. That's why, that's why these crazy, like, store, these, like, library guys, I'll tell you that once a week, you gotta take the bottle, flip it upside down, and put it back down. Flip it up, put it back down. Well, I guess I better start doing that to my collection. I ain't never done that. Yeah, neither. Well, I'm not gonna start. I move them about every year anyway, so they'll get a little move on. I think it'll be fine. I'm not overly worried about that. So, what are you smoking, buddy? Rumble Craft 2020. Right on. Still like have those? Yeah, I mean, I, I bought a box before I left the country. Um, mm. You know, I'll tell you. Uh, uh, Australia is not a cigar country, um, unfortunately. They have cigars. I mean, I, I went, uh, they, they, I asked about it. I was in Melbourne, they asked me, uh, I, I asked where, where to go to smoke a cigar. They, they directed me to this lounge, and it was a beautiful looking lounge. It had it had um, this leather furniture that, that, that looked like it was taken from Yellowstone. Um, you know, nice. like John, John Dutton's bedroom. It's, it looked like that. And and then they have, they have, they have these fancy ashtrays, and they come and they, they, they'll, they'll cut your cigar, but then they tell you you can't light it because they're not allowed to smoke inside anymore. They just they, they pass some sort of new law. I'm like, what the fuck is the point of this? Like, can, can I order a drink? Like, well, we don't have a bar. Like, okay, so that's where I'd have been like, how much for the chair <laughs> and the ashtray? And that's do like you say, hey. <laughs> so we've got to this beautiful chick, she's coming over. She's gonna take all of her clothes off and then, but at, can't touch her, game over. Oh, right on, strip club, got it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's makes sense. the new strip yeah. club. Hey, we can light you a cigar, we cut it, but then you can't smoke it. <laughs> you gotta go out on the curb, go outside by the street and sit there. <laughs> go, go smoke with the crackheads trying to get in. They're nice guys, I promise. Really? They only turn feral after 2 a.m., don't worry about it. <laughs> I don't know. That's crazy. And then I uh, heard they, they told me I don't know if it, I have no idea whether it's true. I didn't try to look it up, but they told me that that, that Australia is considering um, phasing out smoking mm -hmm. in, in in general, like the Australia they, and New Zealand. So they were talking about um, the, the the proposal is that anybody born after 1991 is not allowed to buy tobacco. It hasn't passed, but that's the uh, New Zealand's trying the same thing. Yeah, they'll be smoke. They say they'll be smoke free by 2031. Or no, it'd be 20. So no herb 2011 either. is what they said. So no herb, or is it just all gummies? Oh, I think that, I don't know that, I don't know drug laws. Over well, there. I was walking around in Melbourne, you can smell weed. I mean, not, not like, it's not like San Francisco or something like that, but you, it's it's there. <laughs> yeah, but that's tobacco too, so I don't really. That's uh, not, not tobacco. Weed's weed? not tobacco? No, no. Weed is literally an herb. That's why it's called herb. It is an herb. <laughs> I guess I really never thought about that. <laughs> but I don't, you know, I would not want to get caught. Just get back? Oh, okay. I was going to say your dress didn't change that much. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. So I would not want to get caught yeah, trying to yeah, smoke something, like anything like in in into in Australia. They have no, these bio scanners. Uh, when you, when I you, don't when you I don't know that we're gonna trade convicted war criminals for you. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> that we're gonna do it, but yeah, we'll but, try. But they had like here's an example. They, they had the two two recent examples. One was um, somebody okay. who was who, who who bought at an airport a subway sandwich. She ate half of it, and then she didn't declare the other half when she entered Australia. They fined her fifteen hundred dollars. Whoa! And then, then she posted it on Instagram. Subway gave her fifteen hundred dollar gift certificate and a bunch of Subway stuff. But so that kind of makes up for it. And then the other one. Now hang on, man. She bought it at an airport, you know, like giving me fifteen hundred dollars of Subway sandwiches doesn't make up for me paying the Australian government fifteen hundred bucks. That's and bullshit. Then, and then the other one was was some guy who, who uh, didn't declare that he had been. He, he, they called. They said they, the, the headline was that he smuggled McDonald's breakfast sandwiches and didn't declare them. So he got fined fifteen hundred. Well, see the hash browns out your butt. All right, let's go to one more question we got here. They just, I, I like, I like the ge the generic setting in these. These are fun because they open a lot wide range of answer, not getting too technical. One, the first part is, how do you cut your cigar? And the second is, do you change the cut on the cigar based on the Vitola of the cigar? Good job, Scotty. Well used on the, the verbiage there. So, my thought on that was, is I've done a punch. I've done the V-cut. I've done the straight cut. Um... And we've talked a lot about this in the last two, three years or whatever. And then we've been with some big boys and we've been with some guys who really, you know, been around a long time and whatever. And they, it's kind of a, a preference thing, but just the straight cut, um, you know, it's kind of a preference thing. And I guess it, I mean, okay. So if you're going to do uh, like a, I guess would I guess it could depend on the cigar. Like if you're doing a, a torpedo or a um, I don't know, it doesn't make too much sense to do a V cut on that. You just do a, a slight cut on that, but I've done both. And I think it's just your personal preference, I think, personally. Yeah. I mean it, it's kinda like neat versus ice versus a couple drops of water to open it up. I think it's just kind of your personal preference, what you think you feel like you're getting out of your your particular cigar that you're smoking, what um, you feel like you're getting out of that. Because I've done them all. And um, I, I just don't change it much anymore. I'm just a straight cut guy anymore. Yeah. But I've done them all. You guys ever use one of those tools? The, the, I don't know what it's called. The, the you know, the purgers. Yeah. The long, long needle. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, yes and no. Um, I've never like I, I've never used it. Like I know, I know, I know people that every time they cut a cigar, it's part of their routine. They take they take that needle and push it through the cigar, right? I've never done anything like that. Um, I could probably count on two hands how many times I've had to actually get into the cigar to move an instruction. You know, like if, if at some point during the binding a piece of the stem went like that instead of like that, right? 
but I've also shown people you can do that by working your fingers on the tobacco, right? As it heats up, just move the tobacco around a little bit. You can get rid of that stoppage just like that because the tobaccos are heating up. Uh, but no, I don't. I don't carry one of those. I don't use them often. I don't. Because uh, kind of you're changing the dynamics of the cigar when you're purging a fucking ice stick, you know, like an ice. Li- stick I mean, li- right or, through or the <laughs> I do agree with that, but I don't think I agree with the way you think. My thing is in the combustion, right? If you start opening all these other pathways for air to come through, the cigar's gonna burn quicker. Or, worse yet, you may open up pathways through the filler or puncture the binder, and that's when you start smoking a cigar and you see this weird hole forming up here. And you're like, why the hell is that burning up here? Well, somehow there's a tunnel in that tobacco that's not heating up here, but it's heating back here. A lot of times, that's, and then a lot of times people that use those pokers it, look, it's not super easy. If you've ever snaked a drain, right? Snake then just go straight down, duh, 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 grab the bad shit and come out, right? You gotta work it, shove that thing left, right, up, down, in and out, and pull it out. When you put that needle in, this is not a straw. That needle doesn't go straight down and straight out. You gotta work that needle in and through. Based on the type of, of, of binding that was used, you might have an accordion, an intubato, you could have a machine roll where everything's in a circle. You don't know. So I, I see it all the time. It's just like this. They're like, mm, zoop, needle comes out right here. And they pull it out and they're like, that's yeah, good. Okay, cool. No, but I'm with you. I, yeah. And again, this question again is I'm saying, I've smoked a lot of cigars, you've smoked a lot of cigars. It does not happen, have, it doesn't have, oh my God. It doesn't happen often that I get a cigar that the draw is that bad. And like you, I've worked it a little bit. I've worked it for about, you know, give it five, 10 minutes and maybe do another cut and work it. And I squeeze the end a little bit and try to open it up because some cigars are a little too tightly wrapped. Well, they're, they're handmade, man. Exactly. So sometime, maybe someone, they, they sneezed and you know, got a little tight real quick, right? Like, you don't know. You know, um, Lars wrote a whole book on, you know, every cigar is like. You know, Lars just released his Pinot, Pinot Noir. Oh, really? Yes, it did. Beautiful. Yeah. It's called the Lars Teton Pinot Noir. Go make it. <laughs> That's imaginary. Yeah. Lars Teton. So, but yeah, and Lars wrote that book and he said, you know, uh, a cigar, each one is individual and you should just enjoy each one as an individual. Some are good, some are bad, some will treat you well, some won't. And every cigar is different. And, and, and I like his interpretation of it but for the most part i've found a lot of consistency through the cigars and i I don't find too many that are a problem yeah and i think i think a lot of times sometimes like mark that tool you're talking about people try and use that for a bad cut um this does happen a lot people will think things are bound too tight actually i want to i want to shout out to ryan and andrew and and myself we were talking about this a couple weeks ago the jake wyatt figurados the le's so they have, they have, I call them a ponytail. It's a shag finish at the top. And then the cigar is a figurado that comes down. It starts at about, I guess where your cap is, you're probably a 38 or a 40. And then right before the, the foot of it, you get to a, to a 56, maybe 58. And then there's this 22 nipple that you like, okay? Now, when you cut that cigar initially, right? That draw is super tight. That's super tight. Like the uh, t- uh, fifth anniversary from uh, Foundation? Yes, just like that. 
So what a lot of people do is they immediately start torquing on it and then it just heats that tobacco and burns through and it opens right up. On that cigar, we found out, it's like, well, dude, just take it slow a little bit when you get into it. And the second you get past that half a centimeter of a foot, the minute it hits those tobaccos, that thing breathes phenomenally, right? I think in that moment, using that kind of scenario where someone may cut a cigar too deep or too shallow and they don't want to cut it again, or there's always that overcorrection when you start cutting into the shoulder and shit and it just, you're, you're too tight. That's when people start throwing that needle through that thing, thinking it's gonna work or it's not gonna work. You know, I, but they, uh, again, I, and sometimes I'm just like, I think we're all looking for just another question and accessories like, you know, I don't have enough accessories. I need me a needle punch. I need me this, I need this. And I just don't think you need all that. I mean, what are the odds that you're gonna run across that too often? I don't think it happens that often. So I, I'm just like, it's like, you know, landscaping and, you know, putting shit in your yard. Well, you know, you went to college, so you put the Jayhawk or the bird or what in there. And then you get a water fountain. And then the next thing you know, you come past these yards and I'm like, what the hell is going on? So many accessories. Keep it simple, right? The kiss yeah. technique, keep it simple, stupid. Most cigars are gonna treat you good. Give them a little minute, work through it a little bit. Like, I think you're just working the end of that cigar a little bit and then give it another 3 16 cut. And I've had some trouble, but I give it that other 3 16 cut and wham, you're wide open and, and the gates are good and you're all having a happy time again. I'm with you on that. I was thinking about there, yeah. was a, there was I met a guy once that, that showed me that he carried um it was labeled as, as tobacco glue. Just, oh, so God. so when he manipulates the cigar, if it does something wrong, he can kind of glue the. You know, Jesus Christ! I just thought that was too much effort. I mean, it, it's not a it, it's not a. Well, yeah, that's the the whiteout for when you're writing an essay. It's like oh, fuck that up. Let's go ahead and glue it back together. But, that's like building a Lego castle with duct tape. That's fucking cheating. <laughs> what? No, no, no. You're sitting if next you to have to you... work a cigar that much, listen, just tell the guy, we're passing on this one, bring me another. Look, and that's what... And, and, I, and you know, and look, I, I've done the entire, you know, show showcase for with a natural lighting on a cigar for people where... It takes me five minutes, but by the time I hand you that cigar, all you gotta do is start smoking, right? Like, I, I've done that for people and they've asked for it. And it's, sometimes it's fun and it's cool, but there are three steps to smoking a cigar. Cut, light, smoke. <laughs> right, it's literally cut, light, smoke, go. Uh, but to the question, no, I, I am a straight cut guy or I'm a, a peel, I'll take a cap off. Um, I think the only time I've really gone to a, now I have done V cuts and, and actually when I was younger, I did, I, I V cut almost everything until probably about 10 years ago, I think. I, I V cut pretty much everything I smoked. Uh, Cause I like the direction of the smoke, right? With a, with a V cut, you can, depending on if you want the cigar horizontal or vertical, you can change the direction of the smoke that comes from the cigar. It's actually kind of fun if you want to taste things differently or in a weird way, right? But what it's about unique. what about the people that use that to, to cut an X? Yeah, I don't know what they're doing. There. Just cut the cap off there. Why? Just cut the cap off. Well, so... Just to cut the cap. That's like that shuriken, that stupid-ass shuriken cutter. You ever seen one of those? No. So it looks like an egg, right? Pop the end off. When you look inside, there are eight blades. 
you push the blades onto the cap of the scar and pull away, okay? But then you have to put about an inch and a half of the scar in your mouth because if you try and pull through it, there's fucking knife marks in the side of the cigar. Oh. Yeah, ridiculous. So I guess my point is early on in my cigar uh, career, I asked the same question, but I was drink, I was uh, smoking big cigars, like 660s, almost all of them. And I think like Mark, we were talking about, I tried the V cut, it was a little more directional. And I think I found that to be kind of fun with the big cigars. But then when you start getting into all different sizes, I think the straight cut is just the way to go. And I always think it's funny because you're sitting around and you're, you're wanting to ask questions and come up with, it's kind of like neat if you watch that thing on Netflix and you get the guy who's been doing this his whole life and he's been drinking bourbon and he gets asked the question, neat, ice, smaller ice, is there the specific ice or whatever? And the, and the guy's just like, Fred Knoll sitting there rocking and he's like, hey, I think you just do it however it makes you feel good, right? It's like, yeah. hey, I like my shit neat, that's how I do it. If you like ice, that's the right way to. Right. If you wanna do a V cut, a hole cut, if you wanna <laughs> stick a damn ice pick right down through the middle and that makes you happy, and that cigar is making you happy, that's the way you go. But. And my experience, just the straight cut, you know, try it. Yeah, when, when cutting comes down to it, that's what I say. I'm a straight cut guy. Um, now, what I was going to say is there have been numerous times where if I'm sitting down with someone and it's a new cigar I've never had and they're, and they're being really, you know, there's a difference between being excited about something and being just dead on. It's like, dude, you got to smoke it. Well, I'm like, okay, well, if you're that serious about the cigar, how do you smoke it, right? But, so I'll, I'll cut it however they say and then get into it. And that, that's a lot of fun. That's unique because if I do enjoy it that way, the next time I buy them, I'm going to do it my way and see if it changes at all, right? Um, over the like V-cut, over the V-cut or the straight cut, whatever, I would be at more to talk about how people actually put the cigar in their mouth because, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I see a lot of people that smoke cigars and it's kind of funny because I... I should write some notes on it because I see like these guys that are like puffers, like you know the puffer penguin, and they come in like, <laughs> and they puff on their cigars, and then they're the guys that are like, they're like the fish guys, and they're and they're like, but I think some of that, and then they're the guys who just naturally put it in their mouth and just draw naturally. I mean, and I'm hang sure on. I could come I'm gonna go down this rabbit hole now. We should hang out with the guys that naturally just put it in their mouths. <laughs> but I think some of that comes from movies. I no? think people see that in movies and they, and they think that's the right way to do it. No. And I was also looking at yours, and at yours, it doesn't look like all, all like, just, you know, drippy wet, but I have some people, like, it's... The gestation? There's like so much... When they slob? Yes. Yeah. I don't know. No, actually, so I, I actually have something to say about that. The amount of moisture you see on the cigar. I firmly believe that Lejero and Connecticut Broadleaf cause more salvation. Because anytime you smoke something like that, like if you smoke a Neanderthal or a Padron, uh, even some of the Saka stuff, uh, actually Casa Fuente, the, the Casa Fuente, uh, Ryan can say the, the, the special name on it, I'm sorry. Um, some opus that I've had, um, 
I feel like they make you salivate more. Like you just, it just. I think you're absolutely right. It. And I think that so. The reason I say is anytime somebody smokes a very strong cigar, there's more salivation. What I credit that to is eat a buttery piece of fish, right? Or eat a well-seared steak with the spices and the salts, right? I think that may have some. And then there are people that just, that I have talked to people that they purposely wet the inside of the cigar because they enjoy the taste of it when they pull the smoke through. It cools the smoke down, right? That comes down to smoking preference. That's just your own little, everyone's got their own little course, right? It's like, how often do you retrohale or, or how many draws do you take in? Or do you hold the smoke or just let the smoke go? You know, it, it, things like that. Do you cut your cigar in half and smoke the rest later, right? It's bonkers, but it's, it's you know, preference of smoker. Well, I think I have had in the past, and I do it differently, it's, it's probably not super consistent, but on a bigger cigar, I think I always try to take the cigar and roll it in my mouth a little bit and moisten that cap and then I cut it and it seems because I I just flat out cut caps and I, I, I don't think it, you get a nice uh, cut unless you moisten it up just a little bit. You do that on the lens arrow too? Uh, not necessarily. Well, I don't do a lot of lens arrows, but I'm just saying um, I just don't do a straight cut all the time, but um, I do think out of all the poking and all the things we're talking about, is initially when you start a cigar, I think I roll it a lot too. At least, you know, initially, I think I try when I'm lighting a cigar and working it, for the first maybe uh, inch or two, I try to roll it a little bit and move it. So I'm, I'm well rounding that cigar and letting the heat change because of the wind that's hitting that cigar. I think I try to keep moving it. So it's not one constant, like the top is not always on the top. I move it to the bottom. And as I'm working that cigar and developing it through the smoke, I try to move it and round it out a little bit, like I'm moving it. But I think once you get past and you're back down halfway, I think you're fine with however you're smoking unless you see something happening unusual. Yeah. But I mean, I think that's something naturally that I've always done. Um, and a lot of this stuff, like I've always said before, I think a lot of this shit I do unconsciously. And then when we talk about it, it's kind of like, I, I, I'm like, am I being conscious confident or am I being just unconscious confident that I do a lot of these things just as an experienced smoker. I do some of these things depending on the size or of the cut and everything. Or just the preferences that you've yeah. learned to enjoy based yeah. on what you're smoking. And it's worked yeah. for you. Well, yeah, 100%. 100%. All right, so we are going to jump off here and go on to our Patreon. we got to do our After Hours episode. Um, if this is August. This is the month of the Patreon FFK Stands giveaway. Uh, Miguel at FFK Stands that you heard earlier has sent us a bunch of goodies that we are giving away every after hours episode um so patreon.com slash craft it's three dollars a month um i do want to shout out uh lit cigar lounge on september 8th i do have the date proper on this episode sorry for the mess up last time um at vito's in the valley in chesterfield we are doing the third third cigar dinner with angels envy bourbon and Tatuaje Cigars. Uh, Casey Johnson is confirmed to be there. 
With the Aglaio size, the 10-year Miami, as well as the La Hattie 54, it looks like it's the possibly a Maduro. Could be a San Andreas, a Broadleaf. Um, Four-course customizable meal. Uh, three buying options. You have the full ticket, which gets you the meal, the cigars, and the bourbon, or you can do the meal and the cigars, or you can do just the meal and the bourbon. If someone's not a smoker or not a drinker, vice versa, you have ticket options for either of those. That is September 8th at 6.30. Uh, lit cigar or litstl.com. Come into the shop or check our Instagram. You can find the tickets there for that. Come see the Craft Imperial Boys. We'll all be out there having a good time. Um, next podcast at the Country Club of St. Albans will be on the either the 31st, probably the 31st of August. Um, sorry, it'll be the 7th of, of September. Uh, we have Casey Johnson coming on the podcast towards the end of August. The Reaper is making its way into stores now, so keep your eye out for that. Stay tuned to our website and the Instagram. We will be launching, announcing all of the launch parties uh, within the next next few days. We'll get that schedule worked out, um, kind of finishing to one big blockbuster end of year party for Craft and Puro. Um, yeah, we want to have a you know two or three really nice. Um, you know, breakthrough parties for the Reaper this fall, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and then have a have a big, big round out, um, kind of cigar community based uh, project that you guys will have more information on uh, here soon. Uh, local St. Louis companies, Craft and Puro, uh, AP Cigar, Table Thirty Six. Um, we're going to put a cool thing together, which will be a lot of fun. So, yeah. All right. Right on. Yeah. Island Gym was amazing. Number two, the pencil. Brought our pencils to school today. Yeah, I'm still working on it. I got yeah, probably a nub. A nub still left. So We're you guys will see you'll see the Mad Russian on the After Hours episode. Uh, come in and say something Russian, man. You ain't done it yet. Or say something Australian. <laughs> Can you say anything Australian? <laughs> man, I had such a hard time doing the, the accent. And actually, it was... It was Boston. better. Australian it was, it was better <laughs> sounding like an American there. That was just that had its own purpose. Right, I bet. I mean, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, from the Viking Mahal, thank you so much. If you're on the Patreon, stay tuned. We got a cool after hours coming up. Uh, we're going to announce last week's winner. Plus, we are going to set up the new standards for this week's winner as well. All right. And for the Bourbon Cowboy, man, as always, thanks for listening to the Crampton Bureau gig. And giddy up. See you next time.